In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. In this, with these words, Jesus is not talking to professors or uh, pastors or theologians alone. He is talking to you. And he lays upon you the responsibility of sorting out the difference between true and false doctrine. And you have to do it. Uh, It is your responsibility. It is your duty. And whether you're carried along and tossed back and forth between true and false doctrine or uh, whether you stand firm on the word of God is up to you. And you cannot afford to be apathetic or indifferent to doctrine and to, to what is taught and to what is preached. To put it in the simplest way possible, what you listen to, the things that you hear and believe matter. In fact, it matters so much that it is a difference between eternal life or eternal death. And that is the point. <clears throat> and so what that means is this, that you cannot delegate this responsibility to anyone, to anyone else. Uh, you cannot outsource your thinking uh, to another person or to an entity or to an organization. Uh, your parents cannot do this for you. Your spouse cannot do it for you. Your pastor cannot do it for you. Uh, the synod and the district can't do it for you. Uh, you, you, you can't simply just hide behind the LCMS logo, uh, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and let them do the thinking and the discerning of the work for you. Uh, you can't just say, look, ah, I'm, I'm back in my uh, Midwest church among German Lutherans. I'm safe. These are the people I know. This is a safe church. I'm okay. Uh, you, you can't do that. And the reason you can't do this is the reason none of these people or entities can do it for you is precisely because they can all be wrong. All of them. Your parents can be wrong about God. Your spouse can be wrong about God. The church you grew up in can be wrong about God. And your previous pastor can be wrong about God. The district and the synod can be wrong about God. And that means your, previous, your, your, your current pastor can be wrong about God. That goes for me. That all these people and entities are sinful and prone to temptation And we can all be wrong. And that is why you cannot rely upon them to do the thinking for you or the discerning for you. Uh, You can't delegate that responsibility to anyone else because anyone else can be wrong. So then the question is, what do you do? Who do you trust? You trust the thing that is never wrong. The one thing that cannot lie or deceive you. The thing that cannot lead you astray, which is the word of God himself. That is what you put your hope in, and that is what you put your trust in, and that is what you listen to above anyone else on this planet. You you trust the thing that is never wrong. You have the Holy Scriptures that is the inerrant, infallible Word of God that God himself breathed out, caused to be written for your learning. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for discipline and righteousness, in order that the man of God may be capable for every good work. So you have one place to turn, and that is the Holy Scriptures, and it, that the Scriptures are enough for you to become the best theologian in the world, to divide between true and false doctrine. That's all you need. That's what you need is the Bible. Now, the, the issue here is that that requires work on your part. <clears throat> it requires effort. It requires that you, one, uh, that you actually have a Bible, uh, two, that you pick it up and then you dust it off and then you open it and then you read it and then you pay attention to it and then you study it and then you mark it up and then you memorize the word of God that is in there. Uh, and there is no shortcut. There's no easy way to do it. Uh, there's no cheat sheet uh, when it comes to sorting out true and false doctrine. You can't just listen for buzzwords or things like this. Uh, you can't rely on your feelings either or your gut reaction uh, or your experience. And neither, just as you can't rely upon yourself for these things, neither can you rely on the pastor uh, or go off of how the pastor looks or how he acts or how he speaks or his uh, personality or his niceness or likability, his friendliness, whatever it might be. You have to go off of one thing, what he says, what is coming out of his throat, what is coming out of his mouth. That is how you judge what is true and false doctrine. Uh, This is what Jesus means when he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Uh, You'll recognize them by their teaching. It is the the fruits is what is coming from their mouth. Uh, So you need to know what the Bible says. And then you need to know what the person says. And if the person agrees with what the scriptures say, then you're hearing true doctrine. And if the person disagrees with what the scriptures say, you're hearing false doctrine. Um, Now, today's gospel lesson is a very serious thing. And false doctrine is no joke. Uh, In the New Testament, the word beware comes up a number of times. And every single instance but one it's in, in reference to false doctrine. Uh, Matthew 7 says, today's gospel, beware of false prophets. Uh, Jesus also says, beware of the leaven or the false teaching of the Pharisees. Uh, again, he says, beware of the leaven, the teaching of Herod. Beware of the scribes, he says. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Again, he says, beware of being led away with the error of the wicked. Every, the, the warning is so stern when it comes to false doctrine. And the reason uh, the Bible is replete with warnings like this is because false doctrine is very persuasive, is very, very enticing. Uh, and it, that is why it's dangerous. Uh, it, it, and it's dangerous for two reasons. And the first reason is our poor, miserable condition. Uh, we're weak, we're sinful, and so naturally we have the inborn tendency and inclination to be hostile to whatever God says and to just adopt and love the things that the world says. Uh, we, we have this uh, uh, inclination to reject the things of God and the proclivity to, uh, to accept what the world says. And... It, it goes in this way. You'll find it in yourself um, that when the world speaks, it makes sense. And it, uh, and it goes along with your thinking and what your heart tells you anyway. It sounds good. And then when you hear the word of God, 
then that sounds crazy. Then the scriptures sound like they're insane. Like God is making ridiculous requirements. Like he's saying things that are just utterly uh, uh, foolish to our, our human nature. Uh, and that is our poor sinful condition that rejects the things of God and accepts is at home with the things of the, the world. So that's the first reason why false doctrine is so dangerous. Uh, because we're weak. But the second reason false doctrine is dangerous is because of this. Every single false doctrine um, that is preached in the church that leads people astray is never a flat-out lie. False doctrine is a half-truth, and that is wildly treacherous. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I've used this example many, of time, many times before. If you're trying to kill rats in your home, you can't just put poison in a bowl and expect the rats to come up and eat it. What you have to do then is mix the poison with uh, something else. And so you take a cornmeal or oats or grain or something, and it's 99% good stuff. And you put one drop of this poison in there, 1% in there. And they eat it because of what it's good, but then that 1% kills them. Uh, and and that is, is why false doctrine is dangerous. One small error, one small man-made presupposition inserted into the scripture doesn't just stay there. It spreads. It infects the rest of it. Uh, so you can't just say, look, this 99% is good, but this 1%, I just won't let it affect me. It's poisoned the whole thing. That is the danger of false doctrine. Um, and that's why you need to be careful. This is how, that's not new. This is how Jesus speaks of it. Uh, Galatians um, chapter 5, uh, Paul says it this way. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And Jesus compares false doctrine to yeast that spreads throughout the whole uh, batch of dough. Um, <clears throat> so you can't be too confident in yourself to think that you can indulge in false doctrine without being affected. In fact, it is my job, it is my job to judge doctrine, to separate the truth from error according to God's word. That, that's what I devote myself to constantly is reading the scriptures. And I've been trained by some of the best theologians in the world to do this. And still, I am cautious, extremely cautious about the things I read and hear and listen to. I'm very cautious about it because I know how convincing this stuff is. Uh, and that I'm in as much danger as all of you. Um, I'm not advocating, though, uh, understand this. I'm not advocating that you don't read anything else but the Bible. But what I am saying is that you need to read the Bible more than you're reading anything else. More than books about the Bible, you need to read the Bible itself. Uh, and you need to judge everything against the scriptures. You, you it's not enough. You can't just afford to open the Bible, skim through it once, and then immerse yourself in whatever the world is saying without thinking twice about it. Uh, so you need to beware and be careful. Now, uh, let me go on here. When I, whenever I preach a sermon like this one, every once in a while, I'll get an email or a response uh, from someone who heard it uh, online or something. And they'll say something like this, uh, that I'm putting too much emphasis on doctrine. Like, tone it, tone it down. A little, you're you're too uh, uh, zealous about doctrine, uh, or I'm giving it too much credit. And I've heard even pastors say you need to be careful of the pursuit of incessant doctrinal purification. 
That's a direct quote, exactly like it. Don't be so worried about doctrinal purification. Just that's the details. Uh, Just focus on on everything else in your church. Uh, I've heard also lay people can't learn doctrine. Uh, So don't talk so much about it. You'll you'll scare them away. Uh, Others say don't be so legalistic about doctrine. Or I don't believe in doctrine. I believe in Jesus. Or something, maybe you've heard it, uh, deeds, not creeds. Let's focus on what we do and how we love each other, and then all the things that we're supposed to believe, just don't worry about it. Um, The main message is lighten up about doctrine and all the details. Don't worry so much about the two natures of Christ, about who communes at the altar, about the books people read, or the liturgy, or the service. Don't be such a stickler about the hymns we're singing. Don't correct people all the time. Don't worry about who reads the lessons or who doesn't. Uh, Don't worry about the social issues, whatever. Just loosen up. Everything will be fine. People don't like doctrine and don't be so zealous about it, right? That, that's kind of the, the, the idea. Um, well, if you're hearing the sermon in person today or later online, uh, let me just address this now before I get an email about it. Um, <laughs> that attitude, uh, that thought uh, of being so relaxed about doctrine is very, very bad because Jesus never talks this way. He doesn't. He never says it's in, he's indifferent or to be apathetic towards doctrine or that it's a minor thing. It is the main thing. It is the chief thing. Uh, he, this is why he speaks so pointedly against apathy and indifference. In fact, I don't think I've gone too far in what I've said about doctrine, and I don't think we could. Um, Yeah, I don't think we can go too far when we speak of the importance of doctrine. Doctrine did not die on the cross for you. Yes, that is true. But doctrine is the way Jesus comes to you. It's the way he has chosen to come to you. And it's how Christ applies what he did on the cross to you. It's through his words. That is what doctrine is. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.16 says this. Keep close watch on yourself and on the doctrine. Persist in this. In what? In the doctrine. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, Jesus prayed this. He said, uh, before he died, he said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Peter said to Jesus in John 6, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. John 20 says, these things are written so that you may believe and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, There are always people who will accuse us of caring too much about doctrine. And I don't think that could be the case. Because holding on to to true doctrine is how you hold on to the gospel. Because the gospel is a teaching, is a proclamation. Is God teaching you how much he loves you? It is doctrine. It is the thing he gives you. The word of God declares the forgiveness of sin. So when you care about the word, when you care about doctrine, you care about forgiveness. I'll, I'll put it this way, another way. <clears throat> All of the people I know 
uh, this is anecdotal, but all the people I know who really care about doctrine, who know theology very, very well, who study it, who devote their time to it, uh, who know more than the average person, who come to Bible studies, uh, to the services, who read theology on their own, who seek it out, who engage in conversation about theology, who even argue about it, who study all these things, all the details of it. Um, All the people I know who are like that are like that not because they're like nerds or something (laughs) or super intelligent and smart people or because they have some weird obsession with being right and doctrinal purity. The people who do this are always the people who love the comfort of Christ and his forgiveness. It is always the people who love the gospel. Uh, These are the people I've seen speak so highly of the forgiveness of sins, who love and adore the gospel of Christ, and who just cannot get tired of hearing it. Those who love doctrine do so because they love the gospel. They love theology because they love the Lord and theology that presents the Lord. Uh, Everyone I know who cares about doctrine does so because they care about the gospel. Now, before I close, I have one last point to make. And the fact, and the point is this, is that the fact that Jesus cares so much about doctrine, about what you hear and listen to and pay attention to and believe, is not meant to scare you. It's not meant to make you terrified. It's not supposed to give you discomfort and fear. Yes, you need to be aware. You need to be, uh, uh, be, beware and be alert for false doctrine, but not to be afraid of it. Uh, and there's an, an implication here in Jesus' words. And this is what he implies. The reason Jesus cares so much about what you hear and believe is because when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God, it matters not how you have lived but how you believe. It matters not how much or little you have sinned or how many regrets you have in your life. It matters not how good or bad you've been. When it comes to your salvation, the thing Jesus seeks after most, what matters most is his word and his voice and that you trust it. The reason Jesus cares about what goes into your ears is because what goes into your ears goes into your heart and he doesn't want your heart filled with anxiety or lies or doubt or worry. He doesn't want you confused about your salvation or questioning it. He wants your heart to be full of confidence and the assurance that he loves you and that he forgives you, that he declares you righteous and perfect in his sight. And that on the cross, when he bled himself out, he made you his own. You have the word of God, which is pure truth. You know the truth. You have a solid foundation on which to rest your eternal life. You have God's word, which is the bedrock of your salvation. And on this, you rest even when dying. In fact, you you could be on your deathbed this year, this month. You can have a death sentence over your head, even tonight, and you can close your eyes with full confidence because you have no reason to ever wonder or guess what God thinks about you or where you are going or what will happen to you. You can fill your dying heart with a certain assurance that what he suffered on the cross, he did for you. 
and that he loves you and that he forgives you for everything. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. I know my faith is founded on Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, and this my faith confessing. Unmoved I stand on his sure word. A reason cannot fathom the truth of God profound, who trusts in human wisdom relies on shifting ground. God's word is all sufficient, it makes divinely sure, and trusting in its wisdom my faith shall rest secure. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.